Welcome to These Are the Families, a podcast exploring the story of the Bible as well as the stories of people today and their sacred relationships that we call family. Today, you're going to hear a conversation I had with a dear friend of mine. Kiana was actually one of the first people I told about this project, and she was so encouraging to me and told me to go for it. Later that day, we were having a conversation about recent events in her life, and I had to stop and ask her if she would let me interview her. She graciously said yes. I have been privy to certain details and moments in this story over a number of years, but I had never heard her sit down and tell it in this way, and it was powerful. This woman is such an example of strength and love to me, and it truly is humbling to share her story with you. So grab a cup of coffee and join us as we listen to and celebrate the work God has done in her life and her family. story because we've been friends for a while um so I don't but I don't want to make assumptions about (laughs) it and I want you to tell it so maybe start by just like telling me your story as if I'm somebody that you've never met before okay well I grew up in a Christian family went to church my whole life private school um I met David my husband in ninth grade and then we were friends through ninth and tenth we started dating the summer between sophomore and junior year dated for four years got married at 20 um but before the wedding david kind of began his addiction and um we ended up postponing our wedding then getting married just a couple months later And, um, from there, eventually things spiraled with his addiction and now we are in a much better place spiritually and marriage wise and his recovery wise, um, which I can go into as much or as little of that as you want to talk about. I'm an open book, so yeah. I think as much detail as you want to give. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's okay if you don't, if there's parts of this you don't want to talk about either. Maybe just start with like those few months before the wedding, mm-hmm. where you were at and, um, you know, what's going through your mind kind of before everything started and then having to postpone and, you know. Okay. Um, so leading up to the wedding, I started feeling like things were off. And, um, I even started thinking, well, maybe David's getting cold feet. And I actually remember asking Ben, um, one day I was like, do you think David still wants to get married? I feel like something is weird. Something is not right. And he was like, of course he does. And I was like, okay, well, if he ever says anything to you, let me know. Cause I'm just feeling like weird. Mm-hmm. And Ben and, is my husband. Yes, I yeah. guess I should have said that. <laughs> Not everyone listening will know you. <laughs> okay. Um, so, for those that don't know, me, Ben, and David all went to high school together. David and Ben started going to school together in junior high. Um, and then I joined them at that school 
for our junior year, even, or no, sophomore year, even though I had met both of them before that. So yeah, anyways, I asked Ben about it. He was like, no, he still wants to get married, of course, blah, blah, blah. And I just grew increasingly like more sure that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I did lean towards thinking it had something to do with substance abuse. Um, David had always liked to drink and smoke and I knew a little bit about that when we started dating. Um, I actually had a girlfriend at the time that when we just became friends told me like, he's a bad boy, just don't date him. And I was like, oh, we're just friends. Don't worry about it. But to me, David had always been really sweet and loving and like gentle spirit, just like amazing. I saw nothing that was really anything to be concerned about. Um, and so as I started thinking something was wrong, I was kind of leaning towards that. And we had had times when we were dating where I knew he had been drinking or smoking. And I remember one time actually telling him, um, I have seen addiction in lives of people I know. I won't be with someone who like drinks or smokes or does anything in excess. And I was like, so if I find out you do this again or you lie to me again, I'm going to break up with you. And <laughs> I laugh about it now because... 11 years later and much more severe than smoking weed and drinking beer on the weekends, mm -hmm. uh, we're still together, which I am absolutely thrilled about, but I just laugh at, you know, 15 years old, don't mm -hmm. smoke weed. I'm going to break up with you. Mm -hmm. And now knowing everything we've been through <laughs> and still together. Um, so eventually I just swish her. I knew that's what it was. And I called pretty much an intervention. I think Ben was actually the first person maybe that I, first person other than like my parents and our pastor who was about to marry us. And this was one week before our wedding. So I told my parents, like, I know he's using some sort of drugs. I know this is more serious than like what we went through in high school. Mm -hmm. And then I called Ben and we all had an intervention at our church and decided to postpone the wedding. David went to, or no, he didn't go to detox that time. Uh, we took shifts at a hotel, mm -hmm. having him just go through withdrawals, which was not necessarily the smartest or safest thing. But at the time, we really did not know what we were doing. Yeah. We didn't know how serious things were. So me, my parents, Ben, and then one of our other friends, Eli, all participated, primarily my parents and Ben, because it was a little bit too much for me to handle mm -hmm. being at the shift. So the three of them were really like my rocks during that. Mm -hmm. um, and once he was done detoxing, we <laughs> went to Mexico with my whole family because they had a vacation plan to go on during our vacation. And everything kind of seemed normal. And when we got back, I went back to work and had a slight um, mental breakdown 
and started crying at work when someone asked me how our honeymoon was because I hadn't told anyone what happened. And um, then I quit that job very quickly (laughs) 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 because, I mean, quickly over the next, like, I think I worked there another six weeks. But during that six weeks, I was kind of having continuous just, like, what do I really want with my life? I don't, somehow I just went from like seeing everything in my life so clear and so sure to like questioning all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so I quit that job, thought everything's going to be fine. Like we got married in August. The original wedding date was June 28th. So we did get married August 30th and things seemed fine for a little while. Mm -hmm. What did, um, what did you I mean, you're in that middle zone where you've canceled Mm -hmm. your wedding and you're planning to have it again. And what's your vision for your life together? I mean, do you feel like, all right, we've closed that chapter. Now we're moving on. I think I had a bit of a naive idea um, that it would just be the end. But yet I also had in the back of my mind, knowledge that it wouldn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember telling my parents and Ben uh, that I didn't care if the rest of our life was hard because I knew I would regret not being with him, like, if I at least didn't try mm-hmm. to go through this with him. And so I knew it could be hard. I have family members um, who have had addiction issues. My biological grandfather is an alcoholic, uh, family friends who have gone through addictions. And so I've been familiar with or seen or heard little bits of addiction and what it's like from pretty much my whole life. But you also never think you'll be that person Mm -hmm. or that will be your life. It won't be as bad as the others. And so I think I had a little bit of that like hopefulness in me, but I also knew that it wouldn't necessarily be like that, but I didn't really care that much. Um, I honestly was like, and am madly in love with David, which thank goodness for that, because I think (laughs) if I hadn't been so crazy about him, it uh, wouldn't have lasted. I think you have Mm. to have a little bit of craziness. Yeah. So Uh, what did that look like between you and David then? in that time period before your wedding and even after your wedding, just like relationally, you know, were you talking about it? Was it an open conversation? Um, again, kind of naive. There wasn't a whole lot of conversation. It was like, he told me, Oh, I just been doing pills for a little while. Like a friend offered them to me. Like it was stupid. It was a mistake. I don't even want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be an issue. And at the time I was like, oh, okay. Like he doesn't actually want to do this. He just Mm -hmm. got caught up in something. It'll be fine. So I always told him like, you can talk to me about whatever, but I don't remember a ton of conversations Mm -hmm. or continuously like checking in to see how things were going. Um, it just felt like everything went back to normal for the most part. And... That's what now looking back is so crazy is like I had this thing that probably should have been a much bigger deal, but it was a little bit just like swept under the rug. It's also hard to remember like that far back because so much has happened since then. 
Um, but yeah, at the time, things just kind of went back to normal. And it stayed like that for probably six months, I would say, before I started thinking, okay, he's not seeming right. Maybe something's going on. Um, the friends he were hanging out with, I was beginning to question them and what they were up to, even though some of them, a couple of guys specifically, were people that I did enjoy spending time with and cared about. But it became like just those people that he was with and all the other people we cared about and that I would never have to question or have concerns about weren't around anymore. Mm-hmm. Or at least not very much. Um, so that, along with, obviously, when someone starts using drugs, like, you notice changes in them, behaviors are different. Um, Distance-wise, like, in relationship, it became very distant. Um, And that's not what you expect your first year of marriage. Like, you just got married. You should be super into being together and talking Mm -hmm. and spending time together and, you know everything that comes along with your first year of marriage. And after probably six months or so, I just started feeling like, again, things were off and I didn't have any real way to know anything for sure, but I could tell things were shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I all kind of all along, I just... I'm someone that's very much like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Keeping it together. Yeah, I will just keep it together. So that's what I tried to do for as long as possible. Mm. Wow. So then what? You know, you're you're married, you're newlyweds. Things aren't the way you maybe expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, then... See, we got married August 2014, so April of 2016, like a little over a year and a half into our marriage. Like, at this point, I knew for sure things were not good. I knew, like, these other guys were also not doing well, that there was some very serious drug use going on. Yeah. And I think that's the spring that David ended up overdosing and I'm pretty sure that's when I called you and Ben Mm -hmm. and had you guys come over and I was shocked when we were later told that he had overdosed because he was talking Mm -hmm. he was up and about but like when I got home he didn't know who I was he answered the door and said who are you? Why are you here? And I had to introduce myself to my own husband. And, um, so I didn't call like 911 or anything. Mm -hmm. If I had thought he was overdosing, I would have done that. Yeah. But I didn't because he was not like passed out. And at this point, did you know what he was using or? Um, no, at this point I did not. Um, I had been trying to figure out what he was using, but I still didn't have very much knowledge. And I had talked to another friend of mine whose brother is a police officer, and she, like, sent some pictures of some stuff we had found to someone else she knew, and we kind of asked some questions. And 
someone had said, I think that's heroin. And I was shocked, even though I shouldn't be, because heroin is an opiate. The pills he had been doing before opiates. It's not a far jump from pills to heroin. But unfortunately, people think it is. I mean, people will start doing pills and they Mm -hmm. don't think they're going to be the guy on the street doing heroin, but they're not far from it. Yeah, and it's a far jump emotionally from we're keeping it together, we Mm -hmm. just got married, Yeah. to heroin. Yes. And um, so I know, like, I called you guys, you came over, Mm -hmm. we ended up calling the police, the police came and got David, Mm -hmm. picked him up, they ended up... um, bringing him to a hospital I think and then that's how we figured out like he had an overdose that's why like he didn't know who I was he was so confused and at this point I was just overwhelmed and shocked yeah and I had been becoming angry and confused spiritually before this and I had been going to church and I would pray for David and I talked, I even talked to like, you know, someone on staff at church and asked mm-hmm. for prayer and all these things. I tried to get him to come with me. And at that time I was still really thinking like, we'll pray and we'll get through this and it'll all be okay. But as time went on, I started having more doubts and getting more angry and confused. And then by this time, I was just like, what the heck? I have been a good Christian girl my whole life. I follow all the rules. Like, this shouldn't be happening to me. And I ended up finding out for sure, like, he was using heroin when I called one of the other guys. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Like, I just was told David's, like, overdosed. And this guy ended up telling me, you know, what had been going on for all this time. And he himself was freaked out because David had stolen some pills from him. Mm. And so I remember that he had some people upset at him. And so he was panicking. So just, you know, a crazy situation that you never expect to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, all of a sudden, your world is flipped totally upside down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and after that, like we moved back in with my parents, and David went to detox for a couple weeks, and then an outpatient program. And again, we tried to just return to like, okay, well, he did detox, he did outpatient. We have to get back to normal life. This time I was a lot more freaked out, and so I would ask him more and be, like, you know, checking on him, and that's kind of the beginning of when, like, my obsession with saving him Mm -hmm. started, where I was micromanaging and paranoid, and not just his wife, but his mother, his confidant, his partner in crime, um... You know, I would I would do anything to try to protect him, whatever I thought he needed protection from, even if I wasn't doing what was best for him, which sometimes would have been being honest about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of times where I didn't want him to get in trouble 
or to feel bad. And so even if he told me he was struggling or he had started using or something, I would just be like, okay, like, that's okay. We'll be fine. We'll, we can do this. You just got to be open with me and tell me. And we'd keep everything to ourselves mm. as much as we could, which that never turned out well. Yeah. Um, and for the two of you, I mean, he's confiding in you, but if you had to define your marriage in those at that during that period of time, did you feel like it was strong? Did you, you know? It was this weird thing for a while where I felt like we were strong in a sense. Like I meant it when I said he could tell me anything and it wouldn't change how I felt and it really didn't. Yeah. Obviously it made me less trusting at times. Mm-hmm. Um but I felt still very confident in us and that we were going to be fine, that we were going to be together. There was no part of me that wanted to leave, not at that time. But yet, also, we would have fights because you can't not fight when Mm -hmm. addiction is present in a relationship and betrayal and lies and manipulation. So, not strong in what someone else would look at as strong, but strong in the sense that I was like we're in this together committed that's it yeah mm-hmm. wow. so so then what you're in this weird in-between zone so that kind of just went on for like years um there were multiple times in and out of detox he spent a month at serenity lane which is a 30-day treatment center a couple hours away from where we live and you know, every time he comes home from something, it was like, okay, great. We're going to be all right. And every time we weren't all right, it just brought me lower and lower. Not just with like my happiness, like generally for life, but also I started to doubt us and if our marriage would make it. And I really doubted my spiritual beliefs Mm -hmm. I'd always identified as a Christian and thought I was like you know kind of this model Christian girl which is um prideful but at the time I I you know did all the things I was supposed to do and not many of the things I wasn't supposed to so And, of course, I compared myself to people around me, and I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm doing really good, so this shouldn't be happening to me. So the confusion (laughs) and anger with God just got worse and worse. And I eventually got to a point where I remember saying to someone when I was told um, to pray about it, my brother-in-law, he said, well, you know, just pray about it. And I said, I don't really do that anymore. Mm. And he told me, well, it would be a shame of all the things David's addiction is taking from you for it to take away your faith. And, um, wow, I have never forgotten those words, even in the times where like I would not open my Bible, I would not pray. I didn't go to church, um, or not very often because I did go to church some, cause there are certain people in my life I wanted to keep up appearances for. Mm-hmm. But I never forgot those words. And in my heart, like, I believed in God. I believe in the things the Bible said. But I was seeing such a contrast in my life from 
you know, what a Christian's walk and life should be that I was like, how can these beliefs be what I believe, but yet my whole life is a disaster. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of taking out the free will element Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the fact that just because I believe something and want things a certain way doesn't mean that like David's free will can't interfere with that. God's not going to control him Mm -hmm. just because I say I believe in him. Yeah. Um, and no matter where I was at spiritually at the time, I now have realized like I was always lacking a personal relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. It was more like my faith was more a checklist to me. Like I followed the rules and I did what I was supposed to. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm going to die and go to heaven. And that's great. Yeah. Um, so that went on for years. And then last year... Um, April 2020, April 28th, David went to Grace in Action, which I love. I can never (laughs) stop saying good things about that program and all the people there. We found it through David's dad. He knew the director of the program. And I didn't remember this, um last spring when we were deciding David needed help again Mm -hmm. and needed something a lot more serious. But my dad was like, Hey, David's dad has told us about this place Mm. and he needs to go there. And I was like, well, I don't remember that place, dad. And I don't have any way to get a hold of them. And he was like, well, I already called David's dad. Mm. And so we end up getting connected with the director Um, and he and another leader in the house came out to our house and talked with us and prayed with us. And, uh, after that, we decided David would go. And at this point, David's consistently using has been for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At this point, like everything in our life was a mess. There was no denying anything. Like everybody knew what was up. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to keep up appearances. We had moved back in yet again with my parents Mm -hmm. because I was just like coming unglued Mm -hmm. (laughs) and could not handle our life anymore. Mm -hmm. Leading up to David coming to the center was a rough time. He actually went and his withdrawals were too bad. So he had to go to detox, but he didn't necessarily want to go. And so Mm -hmm. it, it took about two months to get him back there. And during those last like few months that he was at home, I was really just distraught and hopeless, and I really was like finally doubting our marriage and if we were going to make it, if we should make it. At this point, I was like, what, like, what am I fighting for? And and the two of you were fighting. And yeah, there's I mean, we were just and... fighting. There's conflict all the time. But yet, still, this, like, craziness of there would be little moments still in there. And I think this is what, like, kept me going was we would have little good moments when he would either be high to where he was in a pleasant mood, (laughs) but not so high that he was incoherent. Mm -hmm. So we could enjoy time together, or at least I was semi enjoying it. Or 
there would be moments where he would be breaking down and telling me how much he wanted to get out of this. And mm-hmm. so it would give me like a little hope to keep going because yeah. I saw a desire in him. But overall, it was just pretty miserable. And um, we were living at home and that brings another layer of difficulty into it because my parents are seeing me go through this. My sister is seeing me go through this. Um, things I never would have wanted them to have to witness because it's mm-hmm. hard not just on me, but it's hard on all our family and especially my parents and my sister who are dealing with this every day with us. And who love both of you mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, my parents and my sister, because you know we met so young, we are 14, they count David as their own son. My yeah. sister doesn't think of him as a in-law. She thinks of him as her brother. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is so cool and so special. And I really feel the same about like David's family. Mm-hmm. His siblings are like my siblings. I've watched them grow up and that's really amazing. But then when you see either family hurting, it's not just most painful on like the spouse or the parent or the immediate siblings. It's everybody is just yeah. heartbroken. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was really challenging. And of course, you know, financial issues come with addiction mm-hmm. and trust issues and, um, all the kinds of issues you can have pretty much. <laughs> you just come out of it with lots of issues. Mm-hmm. And as much as I would try to be like, oh, I'm fine. And I was put together. I definitely wasn't. And we just struggled for like two months between when he first went and he was in and out in a day because they were like, he needs to actually go to detox. Like, this isn't good. And um, it was just two months of like the same roller coaster, just up and down, craziness all over. And it got to a point where I did say, like, you're going to detox and then you're going to grace and action or we are not going to be married. I cannot do this anymore. And that was really hard for me to get to that point. And it took, I mean, it had been almost six years of marriage at that point. And then the year we were engaged, things weren't right either. So we were going on like seven years. And so it took me a long time to really get to a point where like, I think I did mean that. Now it's Mm -hmm. hard to imagine that I actually would have left him because things are so good now I just Mm -hmm. I can't imagine not being together but at the time I felt like I meant it Mm -hmm. whether I would have followed through on that or not who knows I'm glad we didn't have to find out Mm -hmm. but at the time uh, that was the most serious I'd ever been about it and so he went to detox my parents and his grandma took him and I stayed at home with one of my girlfriends who has also been really supportive and always been there for me through this. And her and I stayed home and talked and I cried and Mm -hmm. got irritated and she encouraged me and um, they took him because I was too angry to do it or be a part of it again. It was the fourth time taking him to the same detox Mm. and I was just over it. And... That week, while he was at detox, was very emotional. We had multiple phone calls that, honestly, we should just not have had (laughs) because he's withdrawing. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm an emotional wreck. Mm-hmm. So more fighting, more crying, mm-hmm. and then more making up, and then the next day fighting and crying, and the day mm-hmm. after making up for seven days. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love that Grace in Action does 30 days of no um, phones or yeah. contact with the family. Um, because honestly, you don't need to talk to each other mm-hmm. during all of that. It's probably more harmful than it is helpful. Yeah. Um, and then after detox, he came home and luckily our last phone call while he was at detox ended on a happy note. So I was excited to have him home, Yeah. which might sound crazy to people who haven't been through this kind of thing, but the mood swings for both people mm-hmm are so extreme and so one minute we're both super happy and in love and then the next minute we're both like going crazy and i bet it's hard to know what's true what's reality mm-hmm. you know you what's don't the even actual... know how you feel mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and um so he came home and the two of us my parents my sister his grandma and his youngest brother all stayed at my parents house for a weekend mm. And I had wanted him to go to Grace in Action the day he came home from detox, which I believe was a Friday. But Alex, the director, if I'm remembering correctly, pretty much was like, call me when you get out of detox. And if you want to come, okay. So David calls him. And he was like, okay, call me tomorrow if you're serious about this. And we did that for a couple days. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he is serious. I am serious. Take him before things go badly. (laughs) Like, I just wanted to get through the days Mm -hmm. in between. But I understand why Alex did that. I mean, people come in and out all the time. Mm -hmm. Addicts think they want help, and then they don't, and then they do. And Mm -hmm. it's a nonprofit. People are paying little to be there. And... People are pouring their hearts and souls into this ministry. So the people who do come, like, you need to want it. Mm -hmm. And so he made us wait a couple days, and that was totally fair. David had already come one time, and it didn't turn out well, and he had to leave. So I understood that, but it was very nerve-wracking. And Monday, I believe, is the day he did go. And... By Monday, we had had this wonderful weekend of everybody being happy and enjoying time together. But then I was just sad that he Mm -hmm. was leaving. (laughs) The excitement and the desperation to get him there. Like, even though I knew that's what we need to do, for sure he was going. Like, then I was more feeling sad that he was finally going. Mm -hmm. Sad that we were going to be apart, not that he was actually getting help. And, um... So we dropped him off, and that was that. I didn't see him or talk to him for 30 days. And something that really, to me, speaks to how good God's timing is, is that my work had closed due to the pandemic, which Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's a positive thing. It was very hard on many, many people, all the businesses and things being closed. But it gave me time to just sit in my feelings and process and not have to show up to work every day being on and serving someone else yeah when someone's in my chair at work it is all positive 
And if there is negative, it's them getting to unload on me. Mm-hmm. It's not me unloading on them. And I would not have had the capacity to do my job in the way that I want to and should if I'd had to go to work during that time. So mm-hmm. very, very thankful that things happened in the timing they did and that both Dave and I, when he did finally get there, our hearts were truly open to change yeah. in the addiction realm, but also in like spiritual as well. Then he went to the center and there was like a month of no talking or seeing each other, like no communication at all. And during that month, I knew or I knew that the center was faith-based. And so I knew, okay, David's going to be going through something spiritually, or at least I hoped mm-hmm. he would be. And before he went there, I had kind of reached this point where I thought, like, I may not understand how I can believe in God and everything be like this, but I know that that's possible. Like, my life being a mess doesn't mean that God isn't there and that the Mm -hmm. things I read in the Bible aren't true about him, that he isn't merciful and loving and caring and all those things just because my life is a mess doesn't make those things not true. And so I had started reading my Bible and praying, and then he ended up at the center. And while he was there, I would read and pray every day, just save us from our own lives and our own Mm -hmm. mistakes, open our eyes, like help us. And most importantly, I prayed, like, give me the desire to know you truly and to serve you because I haven't had that. Wow. And I kind of was just honest for the first time. And when we got to have our first phone call after 30 days, I don't remember how exactly David worded it, but he, you know, pretty much said he had had this like spiritual awakening while he was there and that he knows his addiction had taken a really big toll on me and including my spiritual life and like a lot of doubts had come and he, as he was talking about that, I just told him, like, this is what I've been praying, and mm. this is what I'm feeling, and it was really cool because we were praying the same exact things for each other during that month without having ever talked about it because we didn't talk about anything spiritual ever. I mean, there were times, like, the things like, oh, God will turn this around. He can use mm. everything for our good, you know, the things you hear. Mm-hmm. And seem like the right thing to say, but no, like, deeper conversations. And so that was really cool to see that without communicating about it, we were praying for each other and and ourselves in the same way. That gives me chills. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So, and now it's almost exactly a year later. We're on May 1st, so a little over Mm -hmm. a year. And it's just been crazy to see, like, how far we've come in a year from where we were and how much work God has done in both of us individually Mm -hmm. and as a couple as well. So was there a moment for you, David's at Grace in Action, and both of you are having this spiritual awakening, as you put it, like, was there a moment that you can pinpoint with you and the Lord that change things or was it more of like a slow 
trust exercise? I feel like for me, it was slow. I don't Mm -hmm. really remember a specific day where I had this like crazy moment. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it was just a slow, like seeing myself changing and my feelings change, being able to let go of like a lot of anger and confusion. Um, So for me, it really was like kind of slow. I had this overall realization like, and I don't remember which day or really like some big moment, but I just had this like peace and confidence of we need God in our lives. Mm -hmm. That is what has been missing. So it wasn't anything big and dramatic, but it was just suddenly like knowing that was that was what we needed and that was what was missing in our lives Mm -hmm. and over this last year that he's been at grace and action i've been able to kind of deal with some of my things and um work on it in practice like in how i'm living my life like work through these issues and emotions but Mm -hmm. also like spiritually working through them and one thing that I like realized about myself that I hadn't really put together was like, I really saw attention from other people mm-hmm. and I don't know that I necessarily came off that way to other people, but because I wasn't getting the attention I wanted from David yeah. and I felt neglected, I really like, I wanted other people to see me and see value and see you know, beauty and mm-hmm. smarts and just anything. I wanted anyone to see anything good in me because I didn't feel like I was getting that recognition in my own relationship. And that was something that I didn't realize for a long time, even several months into David being at the center when I thought I was doing really good and I was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I We had a conversation and he kind of, brought up a little bit of this and not necessarily he didn't even say that he just brought up something else to me and voice like hey I I'm just wondering like how you're feeling about this or that and it made me realize oh I do certain things like without realizing it because I have this brokenness in me where Mm -hmm. I felt neglected and now I want to be getting attention from other people that I don't need and I don't, I shouldn't desire or, you know, I shouldn't need it to feel validated, but by other people paying attention to me or complimenting me, Mm -hmm. I feel better about myself when I need to find like satisfaction and peace and fulfillment in first and foremost, my relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then it should come from my marriage. I Mm -hmm. should get all this love and attention from my husband, not from just like whoever will pay attention to me. That'll make me feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. That was something that I really was not aware of at all. And, um, kind of took me by surprise when I realized that, but I, I prayed about it and it definitely had a lot to do with like my body image issues. I've always, when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I was very thin and I did ballet for many years 
and later I ended up gaining a little weight. Not what most people would consider something to be self-conscious about, but Mm -hmm. it was a very big deal for me. And I've been obsessive about working out and counting calories for years and years and years and dressing in a way that is flattering. I was obsessed with, like, I have to dress myself in a flattering way. And that's kind of what David brought up to me. He noticed that, like, I really, like, put a lot of emphasis on that. Mm -hmm. And I got very into fitness, which most women who are into fitness, it's all about, like, tiny waist and big butt. And I became very, like, obsessed with that. And so when he pointed this out to me, I realized, like, I do a lot of things, like, just thinking about how I look and making sure I look good to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And when he talked to me about that, we prayed about it and continued to pray separately over it. And I felt such a weight lifted off of me to realize, like, that is not where my value comes from. Mm -hmm all these like body image issues that I've dealt with for a long time. This had nothing even before Mm -hmm. his addiction had nothing to do with that. I had issues with this before that I didn't ever really pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So it's been interesting to see how certain things, yes, were made worse by addiction, but they were always there and kind of came out during all of this time. Yeah. Hearing you talk about that, I, I just keep thinking about, the portions of scripture that talk about marriage talk about husbands being the leaders of their family mm-hmm. and how, um, I mean, obviously the dynamic in your marriage has been a little different than maybe designed for the last few years just because you're spending a lot of time taking care of him mm-hmm. and you've been doing that in a lot of ways. And so I can imagine, I mean, was that healing then to have a conversation like that where like he's caring for you in a way and he's leading you spiritually in that way and yeah you're doing that together it was it was I will say at first I was actually offended (laughs) (laughs) that he was saying anything to me about it Uh um and again like another thing I've realized I'm a little bit triggered by him commenting even if he's trying to help me on anything because I've been the person who had it together quote unquote um and the one that was doing okay so then for him to ever comment on anything was very upsetting to me Mm -hmm. and I took a little offense like who are you to say something to me Mm -hmm. and so I did get upset at first and then it quickly turned into like feeling like oh I'm not a good wife and it just Mm -hmm. spiraled into like all these insecurities but after I cried it out a little bit Uh and David comforted me and tried to explain he wasn't insinuating that I'm a bad person or Mm -hmm. I'm not a good wife because I have these issues. Um, I ended up being so grateful that he did talk to me about it. And, um, it did end up being really healing because no matter how misguided my beliefs were for the majority of my life, I believed that a husband should be the leader and he should lead you in life and in spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so it was really amazing to see that finally happening after so long. And I'm getting all emotional talking about it, but not for 
any bad reasons. I'm not mm-hmm. getting teary-eyed for, you know, the same reason I was crying that day or being upset <laughs> at being, mm-hmm. you know, talked to about something that was emotional for me. But I'm getting emotional talking about it because it was a really important and special and healing moment for us, for sure. Yeah. Again, I have chills. <laughs> Well, I have a few, I think just a couple more questions. Um, So if you were looking back, you're engaged, you know, what would you tell yourself then? What would you want yourself to know? Or what would you want somebody in your shoes to know? Um, You know, I think. I would want, I would have wanted myself to know that just because you're going through something difficult doesn't mean that God isn't there for you Mm -hmm. um, and that he's not good and he's not sovereign. Like that's not all taken away because you're going through something difficult. And also you don't have to try to do so much yourself. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to try to always pretend I was fine and put on a show Mm -hmm. for everybody. That's not what anyone wanted from me. It was Mm -hmm. just something I put on myself. Um, And to anyone who is in my position or the position I was in or um, a loved one or a spouse of someone in addiction, I would just say, don't go through it by yourself. Um, you know, talk to people that know you and love you and care about you and don't be like me and enable for so long and try to keep up appearances and don't try to protect the person yourself and be their savior. You're never going to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do the hard things, confront them and have boundaries Because not having boundaries and always just being like, you'll do better next time, Mm -hmm. isn't going to make them do better next time. Yeah. Yeah, I I have been so impressed knowing you. Um, You just have seemed to have held so much grace. And I know that at sometimes that, like you said, was maybe put on a little (laughs) bit. Um, But... You really, truly love your husband, and that's so evident, and have would go, go to the ends of the earth for him, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that desire to save him comes out of a good place. It comes out of a place of love, mm-hmm. um, but recognizing that he has to do this for himself and for the Lord and not you, that's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. They that's another thing. They do have to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I actually heard a student um, at the center say that, well, I love so-and-so, so I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I won't do this to them again. And mm-hmm. I said, David loves me more than anything or anyone. But that was not enough. And if I, if either of us loved each other enough for this to go away, it would have never even started. Yeah. And I think that's a really common thing that people think, like, we love each other, that'll Mm -hmm. be enough. 
Yeah. But no matter how much you love each other, it isn't enough. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's not wrong that you can't love an addiction out of someone. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. Yeah. Well, and our love isn't perfect. You know, mm-hmm. the love of Jesus is. Yeah. That is why that is the one thing that can really be the love that fixes it. Mm-hmm. For sure. You've talked about feeling at peace and feeling more freedom. Um, do you feel like that, that you have freedom to not be okay in the future and to still struggle and to still go through hard things in the future? Um, that's a good question. And honestly, it's something lately I've really been thinking about because I'm feeling so happy and at peace Mm -hmm. and all these positive things. And I attribute it to the fact that God is so merciful to us. And now I'm seeing all the ways, even when things were bad, he was merciful. The fact Mm -hmm. that we stayed married, like most marriages don't. And that was of him. I don't put that credit on ourselves or on me. Um, The fact that David lived through everything he's been through Mm -hmm. and no harm was done to our families Mm -hmm. or our homes, things that other people in our situation can't say. Um, And so as I'm thinking all this and seeing all this good and this positivity and becoming so at peace, I've also been thinking to myself, I don't want all this confidence I have in God and all this faith Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I have to be shaken later if something hard happens. And so even in small things, that we're hoping for or we want, I'm praying, like, if this doesn't go my way, help me to take that well. Mm-hmm. Help me to still have faith. Help me to trust and believe in all these things that I say and I feel right now. Mm-hmm. But it's easier to feel good about things when things are good. Mm-hmm. And as humans, we have a sinful nature. Yeah. We're, we're selfish and we're all sorts of things that aren't God and aren't good. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to suddenly, if something bad happens or something I consider bad happens, Mm -hmm. kind of toss out all of this that I'm thinking and I'm believing and I'm proclaiming right now. So I'm trying to kind of prepare myself for Mm -hmm. when something doesn't go our way, you know, what do I believe in? Am I going to stick to what I believe or am I suddenly going to throw a fit and be upset about it or be destroyed? Yeah. And it's okay to still to be upset and to mm-hmm. grieve. I mean, you have a lot that you can grieve over the last six or seven years of things that have not gone the way that they should have or that you think yeah. they should have and still have faith and still have trust Yeah, and still have peace. And, and I, those things can coexist. Yes, and I totally agree with that. I in no way want to sound like I don't think you can be grieving yeah. or be upset because you absolutely can and still have faith. I just know for myself the way I was in the mm-hmm. past. It was like I threw those threw my faith out the door, and I guess it's really because I had a lack of it in yeah. the first place. Um, but yeah, I 
I definitely think that we will go through hard times. We will experience things that are difficult and hard and that's okay. And I hope and I think that when we do, I will handle it differently and I won't feel the need to rely on my own self so much and to put on a show for other people. So my last two questions, um, what about your experience with David and with your family has broken you? I think I was trying to figure out how I want to word this. Broken in the sense of I really loved planning and making plans and being put together. And I thought I was, and I had all these good plans for life, and that was completely shattered. Mm. And it felt like a really heartbreaking thing. Yeah. So then what about your experience with David and your family has healed you? It's now I find so much peace and comfort and knowing that my plans don't really matter. Mm-hmm. God's plans and Mm -hmm. the plans he has for my life, those matter to me. But my own stuff is not as important as I once thought it was. And that is an idea and a part of me that was broken down but has been healed over the last year. And I know that that feeling and this comfort in like, uncertainty and not having my own plans. I mean, we're still living with my parents. Mm -hmm. We don't know where we're going to live or when we're going to live there together. And we don't know a lot of things about our life. But I just literally told David this a few days ago that I am at peace. I'm not sitting around worried like I used to and it's not just because he's clean I'm not worrying about a lot of things that I used to worry about I truly feel at peace even with uncertainty even with nothing in my life going the way I planned it to go Mm -hmm. and that has been amazing and that really is the healing power of having a relationship with Christ Maybe consider supporting the work done at Grace in Action, either by donating, sharing their content on social media, or telling friends and family members about them. It's a really, really unique and special program. It is a Slavic program. Mm -hmm. The people who serve there and are helping these guys go through the program really do have a heart to help people change and not just leave their addiction behind, but come to know God and really find like fulfillment in that mm-hmm. and know truth and have that be what gives them strength and helps their whole lives turn around. 
You can find more information about the program or details on how to donate on our website, theseandthefamilies.com, or at Grace in Action's website, graceinaction.international. If you want to know when we drop a new episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Thank you so much for listening.